Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. If you will, please open your Bibles to the 27th Psalm. How many of you ever thought it would take eight lessons to get to the third verse of the 27th Psalm? Well, I didn't either. But this is our eighth lesson. And we really only touched the first five verses. So we're just going to keep on touching it and learning more. Amen? So let's begin reading with verse 1. And again, read the first five verses at least. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Amen. Our subject is overcoming adversity and trouble. And in the time of trouble, to remain firmly fixed upon the rock of our salvation. To stay under the wings of the Almighty and not be moved. We have already discovered that part of this is allowing Jehovah to be your light. See, the psalmist said there in verse 1, the Lord is my light or Jehovah is my light. And in the New Testament, we said, Jesus has made unto us wisdom from God. And then he said, he's my salvation. And there's a twofold working of that salvation. It's the ministry of the Word by the Spirit. And it's the ministry of angels working to deliver us in times of trouble. We've also found out that in the time of trouble, you'll need strength. And the Lord is the strength of my life, the psalmist said. And in the New Testament counterpart, we found out and discovered that in Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ who infuses His inner strength into me. Strengthened with all might by His Spirit in my inner man. Hallelujah. Amen. And then we found out that because of all this, my heart will not fear, which is very important, that your heart will not fear in the time of trouble. Then the last, the fifth step we've come to was confidence. And we said we'd continue on that because we didn't have enough time to finish. So, We'll pick it up again. Number five, you'll find here in the last part of verse three, in this will I be confident. And let me say this. In order for Jehovah to be all these things to you, you must be born again. You must have eternal life. You must be born into the family of God. And once you're born into the family of God, you are under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. So, if you're a born-again Christian, and especially if you're filled with His Spirit, then we too can say along with the psalmist, He is all these things to us. Now, we said, you you find here in the last part of this, in this will I be confident. We said the word confidence means a state of trust or intimacy, belief, boldness, and assurance. It's a state of trust, intimacy, boldness, assurance. In this will I be bold. In this will I be fully assured. In the fact that Jehovah is my light, my salvation, my strength, and that my heart won't fear, I'll be confident. 
I'll believe in this. I'll be bold towards this. I'll be fully assured towards this. When trouble comes. That's what he was saying. Now, we uh, have to realize that in the time of trouble, and there will be trouble. In the time of persecution, and there will be persecution. In the time of suffering, and there will be suffering. In the time of tribulation, and there will be tribulation. We need to know we can stand confident and we need to understand how to stand confident that He is all these things to us. And so I want to look at a few more scriptures pertaining to confidence and we'll just pick up right from right here. In the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter and verse 35. You know, when you mention the word suffering, sometimes you get misunderstanding. And I keep saying this probably almost every time I preach. I don't know why people can't walk down the straight and narrow. I don't know why we've got fanaticism on one side and extremism and wildfire on one side. And on the other side, you've got a bunch of deadheads that don't believe anything. Right? Over this side, you've got those that are going way off the deep end. On this one, they're afraid to get their, you know, feet wet. Or lit by the fire of God. Amen? So when you get to the area of sufferings, when you say, well, a Christian's got to suffer, immediately someone thinks of sickness and disease, and that's not true. Because you see, in the Word of God, if you'd study the Word of God, you'd find out that a Christian is not to suffer sickness and disease. I said a born-again Christian is not to suffer sickness and disease. That's not saying that every born-again Christian will learn how not to, because there's many that won't. But I'm saying that it's God's perfect will that we as born-again Christians live our life here upon the earth free from sickness and disease. But we start suffering for Jesus, meaning suffering persecution, tribulation, afflictions, trials, tests, temptations, fastings. Did you know the Paul said I saw he suffered fastings? That's right. In fasting. I think if we start suffering the right things for Jesus... You know you weren't supposed to suffer sickness and disease. Amen? Well, let's look over here and uh, the verse 35 of the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And uh, let's find out something about confidence and then you're going to find out why you need to have all this strength and all this deliverance when uh, you're a born-again Christian. Over here in verse 35, Cast not away therefore your what? Which has a great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience so that after you've done the will of God you might inherit the promise. Write down these four things. Confidence has a great recompense of reward. Isn't that what he said? Cast not therefore away your confidence, which has a great recompense of reward. Now let me say it like this. Cast not away therefore your boldness, your assurance, your trust, your intimacy with the Father, now, let me, let me say this. Why would a born-again believer cast away his intimacy, boldness, assurance, confidence, and trust in the Father when everything is going smooth and everything is peaches and cream and nobody is persecuting you for the name of Jesus or talking you down? There wouldn't be any need, would there? No, because everything is going, you know, just right. But, in the time of trouble, in the time of persecution, in the time of sufferings, in the time of affliction, most believers cast away their confidence. Huh, you only lasted one minute. And you thought you were going to get the victory. And if the victory didn't come after one minute or one day, then you cast away your confidence. And we're going to see a twofold effect of confidence. And you just got out there in Satan's territory and he just ran all over you roughshod. Well, he said over here that your confidence has a great recompense of reward. Right? Second thing to write down is, for you have need of patience. Now, patience in itself is not what most people think. Most people think of when you say patience, they think of waiting. I'm just waiting. Man, I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, there's an element of waiting to it, but it's not what, you know, we've interpreted patience to be. Patience means to be stable, constant, unchangeable. 
In other words, yesterday you was flying high. You was just singing high praises unto God. And then you woke up in the morning to come to church and you had a flat tire. And you walked out to the car and you kicked it. And said, oh man, see you changed. As long as the tire was up, everything was all peaches and cream. But as soon as you saw the flat, you got all upset and hysterical about it. You see, that's, that's not being like God. That's not staying patient and stable and constant. See, you got all upset and you start complaining about all these things and murmuring before God. Yeah, you're supposed to walk out there and just say, Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I give thanks in all things. I thank you, dear Father God, that if you had to pick up angels to change that tire, you'd do it for me. Amen. You would too. Did you ever hear of the portable gas station? That's right. You heard the testimony of them fellows that was driving with no gas and stopped and got some gas at a gas station, believe God, you know, and uh, went to their destiny and, and said to the fellow that when they got there, he said, boy, thank the Lord for that gas station back there. And he said, what gas station back there? He said, there ain't no gas station back there. Never was, never will be. What are you talking about? He said, yeah, back there on the road. They rode back that same day and there was no gas station there. Portable gas station from the angels. You say, huh, this guy's a fanatic. Huh, don't be upset about it. Did you know God made this earth and all that's in it? And if he wants to pick up a gas station for a minute and park it somewhere so I can get gas, he'll do it for me. He will. And if you don't know that kind of a God, come on up here and get saved. He created the universe. He created all there is. He put the sun out there, just hung it out there, and the moon and the stars by night, but he can't make a gas station come my way when I need it. Oh, ye of little faith. Amen? Have confidence in God. Well, you have need of patience. Number two. Number three, after you've done the will of God. Number three. So you get these things out of this. Now, I could preach another whole series on these four steps right here. And if you don't watch out, I just might. <laughs> Number three, after you've done the will of God. Number four, inherit the promise. Did you always notice that all these things come before the promise? Didn't you notice that? Did you notice that, you know, we've got to labor on our part to enter into His rest? Did you notice that before you get any promise, there's a condition to be met? And did you notice that the condition means diligence? Huh? And work? Labor? You've got to do some certain things and then you will get some certain things. Amen? Amen. So those are four steps that you need to realize about confidence, which we'll get back to in a minute. But let me show you another scripture. Over here in, in 1 John, the third chapter, I'll show you a few more scriptures with confidence and then we'll begin to expound. And uh, verse, begin reading with verse 20. See, some people have the notion or the idea just because we preach faith that everything and every day of your life is going to be just a walk of glory. You, you know, you, you can't be approached by temptation or sickness or disease or calamity or trouble. And oh, dear Lord, when it comes, you think you lost your salvation. They find you somewhere laying down and with your head hung down low, oppressed of the devil, not knowing how to get out from it. And you say, I don't understand it. I serve the Lord my God. I read the Bible. I don't understand it. Why did this happen to me? Woe is me. And that's what they started doing. See, you played right into the hands of the enemy. That's what he wanted you to do. But when you're a born-again, spirit-filled believer, you can, be, you can just rest assured on this, that you'll have more trouble. And when you start standing on the Word, you're going to have more persecution. Because it comes for the Word's sake. Mark 4. Isn't that right? It comes for the Word's sake. And if you're going to be a Bible-believing, spirit-filled, faith-filled, love-walking, tongue-talking, living epistle of the living Christ, known and read of all men, you're going to get it. And if you don't know what to do about it, one of two things is going to happen. It's going to make you, or it's going to break you. You say, I don't like to hear that. Well, you better hear it and listen to it, because it's, it's the truth. It's, I said it's going to make you, or it's going to break you. Amen. And those that are diligent, and those that wholly follow the Lord, they're going to make it. And those that don't, they won't. Now, I didn't write the Bible, but that's what it says. And I'll show you an example as we go on. Here in 1 John, verse 20, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. 
Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. That's, see, that's a good thing to know that I can have strong confidence towards God because my heart's not condemning me. But let's go on and read the rest of this. And whatsoever we ask of Him, uh, I'm sorry, whatsoever we ask we receive of Him because we keep His commandments. Notice the because. Because. Underline that. Circle it. Because we keep His commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Underline that. I keep His commandments. I do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And let me say this. If you don't know His commandments, there are really... Well, there's one commandment of the New Covenant, but there's really two commandments. If you really stop and look at it. Because He went on here to say what they were. And this is the commandment that we should believe on the name. How many of you believe on the name? Of Jesus Christ and love one another as He gave us commandment. See? That's a twofold working. I believe on that name. I'm born again. I believe on that name for deliverance. As a matter of fact, the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. I run into it and I'm safe. See? So, because I know His name and because I walk in love. I know when I'm walking in love and out of love. Whatever I ask, I receive of Him. And he that keepeth His commandments, I want you to check this out now, verse 24, dwelleth in Him and He in Him. And hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. Now, I'm going to read that to you from the Amplified Translation of the Bible just to expand our knowledge of what He said. In verse 20, and you can follow me in the King James, but I'm going to read it from the Amplified. In whatever our hearts... In, this is verse 20, back up to verse 20. Tormenting self-accusation make us feel guilty and condemn us. For we are in God's hands. He is above and greater than our consciences, our hearts. And He knows and perceives and understands everything. Nothing is hidden from Him. And beloved, if our consciences, our hearts, do not accuse us, if they do not make us feel guilty and condemn us, we have confidence complete assurance and boldness before God. And we receive of him, from Him whatever we ask for because we watchfully obey His orders, observe His suggestions and injunctions, follow His plan for us, and habitually practice what is pleasing to Him. Now you remember there, He said if our, if our hearts don't accuse us, we have full confidence and complete assurance and boldness. How are we to come to the throne of grace that word boldly means confidently, boldly, and full assurance to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And verse 23. And this is His order or His commandment or His injunction that we would believe or put our faith and trust in and adhere to and rely on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and that we should love one another just as He commanded us. All who keep His commandments, who obey His orders and follow His plan, and live and continue to live, to stay and abide in Him, and He in them, they let Christ be a home to them, and they are the home of Christ. And by this we know and understand and have the proof that He really lives and makes His home in us by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. I like that. Christ makes His home in me, and I make my home in Christ. That's abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. That's abiding in His refuge. Amen. Now, I want to tie another scripture into that to show you something you need to know. In 1 John again 4, look at verse 17. Now, I'm going to read it again from the Amplified Bible. Well, first I'll read the King James. Verse 17, Here is our love made perfect that we may have boldness. Now, see, that's that word for confidence and assurance again. In the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Now, in the Amplified Bible, we read it like this. In this, that is the union and communion with Him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us that we may have confidence for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face Him. Because as He is, 
so are we in this world. Now what these scriptures are really dictating to us and saying to us is that we are so keeping His commandment of knowing the name of Jesus and the power vested in that name and believing on that name and we are so perfected in love that as Jesus appears in heaven in a flesh and bone body, so does He appear through us on the earth. For as He is, so are we. Therefore, when you stand before Him when you're up there, you'll be as He is. He'll see Himself in you and you'll have boldness to stand there and assurance to stand there in the judgment day. Hallelujah. I'll be a reflection of Him. He'll see Himself in me and He'll say, yes, that's what I wanted for you. Hallelujah. That's my confidence. You see where confidence comes from? Are you keeping His commandments? Are you walking in His love? If you're not born again, you can't. Because the love of God's got to be shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost who's given to you at the time of the new birth. Amen? So you see, I, my confidence in Him, when I know that I'm walking in His presence, when I know that my heart does not condemn me, when I know that I'm keeping His statutes, walking in His judgments, and I know for a fact that I do all that pleases Him, then I have boldness and assurance to stand before His throne, whether I be on earth or whether I be in heaven. In other words, as I would stand before Him on the judgment day, so I stand before Him now and say, Father, I come boldly to Your throne. And He sees in me Jesus. I reflect His very presence. And I go there boldly because I know that I'm walking in His statutes and keeping His judgments. And as Jesus said, Father, I know that Thou hearest me always. And let's look at a part of this part of Your confidence in 1 John 5. See, when you stand there before the throne of grace boldly, you boldly enter in. You're coming there for, for the purpose of receiving or fellowshipping and worshipping. But when you go there in the time of need, you're going there for receiving deliverance, receiving something for somebody, yourself or somebody else, no matter what that need might be. And He doesn't want you to go in there full of condemnation and guilt. And the only way you can stand before Him in full confidence would be if you're pleasing to Him by keeping His commandments and doing His judgments. Now over here, it tells us that if you are, here's exactly what you're going to get. Look at verse 14 and 15. And this is the confidence, the boldness, or the assurance we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. He heareth us. He heareth us. Remember what we said before that if He hears you, then it means you have received the answer. His hearing you. Just the fact that God the Father heard you is the very fact that you have received the answer. Because He went on to say, He heareth us. And whatsoever we ask of Him, He hears us. We know that. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, and if we know that He hears us, if we know that He hears us, this is the confidence we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, if we know that He hears us, Father, I thank You that You heard me. I knowest Thou hearest me always. Is that what Jesus said? Is that what He said? Father, I thank You that You hear me. I knowest that Thou hearest me always. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything, according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hears us, then we know that we have the petition. Whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petition we desired of Him. You know what this is telling me? It's telling me that in the days of trouble, tribulation, calamity, affliction, persecution, and suffering, and they're going to come to all of us, you've got to stand before the throne of God with full confidence and full assurance, fully confident and fully assured that I am in Christ, 
Jehovah is my light, my salvation. I stand before Him clothed with humility, filled with the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ, pleasing to Him by walking in His love and by faith. Boldly standing before His throne, saying, Father, I know that thou he you hear me. I know that you hear me. And when I ask, I know that I received. Now that's the confidence that we have in Him. Isn't it? That's the confidence I have in Him. That He heard me when I asked Him whatever my need was. But now here's two sides of that confidence. I want you to see both sides of it. The psalmist said, as a matter of fact, go back there. The psalmist said in... Uh, the first part, the first verse, Jehovah is my light, Jehovah is my salvation, Jehovah is my strength, I will not fear. Now, that's what he said, in this will I be confident. Now, I want you to, matter of fact, you need to, to emphasize it, I want you to say it with me. The, see, the first part of your co confidence, being confident, you must be confident that he is your Light. He is your deliverer. He is your strength. Now, do you see that? Say it with me. I am confident, I am confident that, Jehovah, that Jehovah, that Jesus, that Jesus is my light. Is my, light. My, light. my light. My salvation. My, salvation. my, deliverer. my deliverer. My strength. Therefore, my heart won't fear. Now, see, some of you believe that. If you don't believe that, part of your confidence is down the drain. You know, the biggest thing that the devil puts upon you is a sense of guilt, condemnation, and inferiority in the presence of God. So you'll walk up there and like a little, you know, worm and get before God and afraid to ask Him anything. You know why? Because you didn't know that He's your light. He's your, He's mine. Oh, I like to say that Jehovah's mine. That's part of your confidence. Now, you ready for this part? Now that I know He's my confidence, He's my all these things, I also am confident that when I pray, He hears me. Did you hear that? When I pray because of who I am in Christ and who He is to me personally, when I pray, that sound, it, might, it might sound egotistical to you. But if you get a little bit of... The Bible says get rid of your worldly wisdom and gain some wisdom from God so you can be wise in this world. Right? That's not being egotistical. All that's being is smart. Because He said it and God can't lie. When I pray, because I'm walking in His commandments and keeping His judgments and statutes, and I say, Abba, Father... Help me, as the psalmist did, then I'm confident by saying, Hallelujah. He heard me. You say, but how do you know he heard you? Ooh, and you can just do a dance. You may not know it, you may not understand it, but bless God, I know he heard me. How do you know he heard me? Because I'm walking in his statutes, keeping his judgments, walking in his love. I'm not speaking a word about my brother or sister. Only that which is good to edify that may minister grace to the hear. I speak only great things about them. I speak love things about them. They're love children of a love God. I see them in Christ. The love of Christ constraineth me. Hallelujah. I see everybody in love. I walk in love. I'm melting in love. Fervent love. Dripping with love. Hallelujah. So I whispered it. Father, did you see what the devil tried to do to me? He said, yes, son. I said, what are you going to do about it? He said, what did I tell you I'd do about it? And then the shouting begins. You deliver me. You'd honor me. You'd satisfy me with long life. You deliver me. Set me free. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. You heard me. And you walk off and say, how goes it today? And I say, blessed be God. He heard me. I know I have the petition. No, it didn't change yet. But blessed be God. This is the confidence that I have in Him. I asked. He heard. I know I have. Oh, don't cast away your confidence. It's got a great recompense of reward. Amen. Do you see how that works? Let's go back to that Hebrews again. The 10th chapter. 
I said, if you don't watch, I'll preach you a sermon from this. Or a series from this. I mean, we need to settle down on some of these things. You know that? We quote these things only as scriptures that we've um, put to memory. But you see, they're not meant to be memorized. They're meant to be acted on. Amen? They're meant to be acted upon. Now, he said here, cast not away your confidence. Cast not away the fact that Jehovah is your, your light. He is your salvation. He is your strength. Cast that not away from you, that He's yours. Cast not away this fact, what you asked Him for, that you believe you've received your deliverance and your salvation and your strength. It hasn't happened yet. You haven't seen the effects of it yet, have you? Because your confidence is knowing that He heard you. Your confidence is knowing who He is to you. You're confident in this fact. I'm confident in it. And even though all this trouble's around me, all this fear's around me, all this disease is around me, and it looks terrible, I'm confident. He said, now cast it not away. You have need of patience. We said patience means stability. See? I must remain strong in the midst of my trial. I must remain strong in the midst of my circumstance, in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of my affliction, in the midst of my persecution, afflictions, whatever it is. I must stand strong. Totally confident that he heard me. I have the petition. He heard me. I have the petition. Oh, glory be to God. I begin to thank him. I just begin to praise him. I'm standing strong. Totally confident. After I have done the will of God. See, he said you have need of patience, which we really should get into, but I'm just briefly going to touch it, but we should get into it. Patience is very important. Because you're not to change even though your circumstances are dictating to you defeat. Your circumstances are dictating to you absolute destruction. It looks like you're going under. It looks like you're going to sink. But in the midst of it all, you don't change. You don't change from the fact that Jehovah is your light, salvation, strength, and you will not fear. You don't change from that. Even though one comes from this side and one from the other. 10,000 on this side and 1,000 from the other. I will not change. Even though it looks like the earth has been removed from beneath me, I will not change. I'm standing strong. I will not change my confession. I'm only fast in my confession of faith that Jehovah heard me and I have my petition. I have my deliverance. I have it now. It's mine. Now notice the last part of this. Notice he said, after you've done the will of God, he said, you might obtain or receive the promise. Now I want to expound just for a minute on the promise. We've used this as an example of faith in receiving something from God like an answer to prayer. In essence, it's not the full meaning of what he's saying here. It can be applied that way. It can be used as a law of double reference that way. But I want to really show you what he's talking about here. If you'll back up with me to verse 30. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days, in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions. Right, underline them. And partly while you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you are here, you have in heaven rather, a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath a great recompense of reward. For you have needed patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now you mark this down. The promise here that he's talking about is the same promise that was given to the children of Israel when they were delivered from the Egyptian bondage. And that is entering into the land that flows with milk and honey, the promised land. Grab a hold of this. That's the promise. The promise of 
entering into a place, a dwelling place, where sickness and disease will be removed from the midst of you. And none shall cast their young. Now you're familiar with what I'm saying. Those of you that are not, it's in the book of Exodus, the 23rd chapter. You can read it for yourself. But the promise that was given to the children of Israel was they would enter into a land, the promised land, Canaan's land, a land full of milk and honey. Now the promise of the believer that he's talking about here, there is also a place of dwelling, even though you're born again, one still may not enter into the fullness of his inheritance while he's on the earth. You listening to me? One might not, if he doesn't understand faith, he will not enter into the fullness of his inheritance. And the promise that he's talking about is the promise of the fullness of the inheritance while you're yet living on the earth. Free from sickness and disease. And every other promise that was there. Prosperity. Everything. But you also notice that in the time Israel was delivered from the Egyptian bondage, from the time they left that land and got near the promised land, there was a wilderness. Now as I say this, receive it and meditate on it. The wilderness represents... A place of growth or development. So from the actual time of their initial deliverance from Egypt's bondage. Or from our initial deliverance from Satan's bondage and being born again. Till the time we enter into the fullness of our inheritance. I don't just mean legally. I mean an actual vital relationship that we've entered into the fullness of this inheritance and we are walking in it, that wilderness is a growing period. That wilderness is a place of development. And let me say this, the longer it takes you to grow, the longer it takes you to enter in. The quicker you grow, the quicker you'll enter in. Now, are you ready for this amazing statement? Joshua and Caleb were the only two that entered in out of their company because Joshua and Caleb wholly followed the Lord. Although all the blessings was for everybody. They walked by faith and wholly followed the Lord. They passed the test of growth. It took 45 years. It took 45 years. But blessed be God, when Caleb got there, he said, I'm as strong now as I was then. All right. Now, the believer is told to grow. Speaking the truth in love, that ye may grow thereby. The promise of growing to a place in Christ that I could walk in the fullness of my privileges, of my inheritance. We call that the wilderness. Just as a type. We call that a time of development, a time of spiritual growth, a time that we must learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Do you remember over there in the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews where he said labor to enter into that rest? There is a labor to faith. There is a labor to entering into this place. And if you're not diligent, and if you'll not hearken diligently, and if we'll not put out all that we've got to enter into it, beloved, you'll not enter into this faith walk. Or the fullness of your inheritance while you're on the earth. You may enjoy some of the blessings. But I'm talking about entering into the fullness of your promise. So you've got need of patience. After you've done the will of God, you might obtain the promise. See, there's another promise. Their promise was, their, their deliverance was twofold, was it not? The initial deliverance from, from Egypt's bondage. Number two. Deliverance from the world and all the diseases, the sicknesses and poverty that's in it. Was that not true? If they got to Canaan's land. But they didn't get it. They came short. I don't want to come short. Do you? I don't want to miss the mark. Do you? We've been delivered legally from Satan's bondage. 
Now, there's a place for every born-again believer that we can enter into the fullness of our inheritance and walk free from this present evil age. But you see, there's a growing period in between that. There's a time of growth, of development, of building in the reality of your redemption into your spirit till it becomes a vital fact. And then you begin to walk as Christ walked. Inward, outward. See, there's a twofold effect of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer. Matter of fact, I, I don't know why I'm led this way, but I'm going to say it. And hear me. Those that have ears to hear, hear and take heed to what I'm saying right now. The Spirit of God within and the Spirit of God upon. The Spirit of God within is the development of Christ in you, the hope of glory. It means walking in the Spirit. It means walking in love, joy, peace, patience. That is your initial development. Now let me say this. When you're filled with the Spirit, the anointing that's upon you to do service for Him, to fulfill ministry for Him, to be a witness, to lay hands upon the sick, to do all that there is to do, all these things, this ministry, the development of the gifts of the Spirit, which are ninefold, that's upon you that must be developed. Alright, now listen. Many have sought to develop the gifts of the Spirit and public ministry upon them and have neglected to develop the fruit of the Spirit within them and they become as sounding brass. Symbols. Clanging. See, this development's a twofold development. Now, I am fully convinced in my spirit that when Paul said, Desire the best gifts, but I show unto you a more excellent way. And I'm not taking whatever, what, what I hear everybody say. I don't believe he was talking about a more excellent way to operate the gifts of the Spirit. I believe what he was saying was this. Those nine gifts of the Spirit are used to benefit the body you know, as a whole. Isn't that right? They're used to benefit and help heal people and set people free and deliver them just through the act of the gifts of the Spirit. Right? But he said, if you really want to be used by me to meet the needs of humanity, I'll show you the excellent way. It's the way of love. If you will allow love to be developed in you till it's perfected in you, it will cast out all fear. You'll be walking in me. I'll be walking in you. You will be as Christ. Then the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit will manifest, be manifest through you as they were through Christ because of the development of the life of Christ in you. The excellent way is the way of love. Amen? Amen. It's the way of love. It's the development of the love of God. God is love. Amen. So until we're perfected in love, I don't believe you'll see a perfection of the gifts of the Spirit. But those that will seek truly the development of love will then be used mightily in the area of the Spirit. Not only to help others in that supernatural way, but I believe it will be the very life of God outpouring from you into them. That's the more excellent walk, believer, is the way of love. Now, when I use this expression, the wilderness experience, there are many that immediately get the idea, well, the wrong idea. They get the idea that, are you saying that God leads us into such places like a wilderness to destroy us and to get us persecuted and tried and tested and tempted? No, I'm not saying that. Go to 1 Peter 5 and I'll show you what I'm saying. In case you haven't read, the Bible says that we as a Christian are going to suffer for being a Christian. We as a Christian, we're going to suffer persecution, affliction, trials, temptations, tribulations, and mainly we're going to suffer for the name of Jesus. Isn't that right? Is that not what it says? Tribulations, all these things are coming at you for the name of Jesus' sake. But I want you to grab a hold of something I believe that's been not been taught. In 1 Peter 5.10, and you'll notice what light it's in. So, let's do that. Let's start with verse 6 and grab a hold of the full import. 
Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions, underline it, the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while. Now underline these words. Make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, settle you. You want to be perfect? You want to be established? You want to be strengthened? You want to be settled? Do you? Well, what he was saying was this. The devil is coming at all the brethren that are in the world. Afflictions, persecutions, sufferings, they're all coming at all the believers that are in the world. But, the God of all grace. Now listen to this twofold effect. If you will walk the walk of faith, if you will do what we're talking about in these first five steps so far, when trouble comes, when persecution comes, when afflictions come, well, if you'll do these things, you'll be settled, established, strengthened, and perfected in Christ. If you will not, you will fall. Did you hear? They're coming whether you know it or not. I said if you'll do those steps, you will be settled, established, perfected, strengthened. You will not fall. If you will not do them, you'll fall. Look at Mark 10, 28. Mark 10, 28. I want to share something with you that I've been led to share. Which I believe will answer many questions. In your initial deliverance from satanic bondage, you said, I've left all to follow Jesus. You're to be commended. You're to do it. Verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake in the Gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands with, 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 with persecutions, with persecutions, with persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. Everybody wants the lands. They want the houses. They want the home. They want the money, the gold, everything you can think of. But when it comes to persecution time, they say, I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. What did Jesus say was going to come? You know, you get persecuted for owning one home. If you're a minister, you get persecuted for owning a new car. I mean that. I had someone's fellow say to me, he, this is before I even knew that I was going to be a minister, a pastor. He said, uh, I was working at school, when I was in Tulsa, when I was at school, I was working on a job. He said to me, he said, uh, what do you think that a minister should make? I said, well, I think a minister should be well taken care of. I didn't even know this. Then I said, he should be taken care of. Why not? Well taken care of. So the Bible says he should have double honor if he labors in the Word. He said, uh, see, I knew what he was in this for. He says, I believe that the lowest paid person in your assembly, you should make less than. I said, is that right? But you see, they wouldn't think of paying a doctor or a lawyer. I mean, even criminals. It's okay if they make a little bit of money. But if you say that a minister owns a car or a house or something like that, why, you greedy thing, you. You'll be persecuted. Now, let me share some things with you. I said back there in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, after you've done the will of God, right? After you've done the will of God, the will of God is Jehovah, your light. I was led 
by the Lord. I'm going to show, I'm going to give, bring this out to you in, in, in testimony, like, I, like he told me to share it with you and tell you. I was led by the Lord. My family and myself, we were led, Jehovah our light led us to leave all for the gospel's sake. After you've done the will of God. See, some of you said, well, you know, I kind of was led that way too, but we didn't do it. I know people that are older in life. They say, well, you know, I, I had a sense that I should have done this or done that. And the Lord was calling me to do this, but I just didn't do it. That's where your problem's at. You're trying to get healed. You're trying to get delivered. You're trying to walk by faith, but you're having problems in your life because you didn't do what Jehovah told you to do. That says after you've done the will of God. And... Uh, to, to fulfill the call on our life well, was only a witness of my spirit that I, what I was to do, it meant I had to leave all. We had to leave all, including our families. I was a thousand miles away. I did not know whether or not I'd ever come back. What's the first thought goes in your mind when you get called to the ministry? Africa. <laughs> Timbuktu. Right? So here we go. Pregnant wife, myself, my kid, my, my other, Lisa. Left our good paying job. And let me say this. Some of you think you live by faith. Well, you got a nice job. I thought I was living by faith towards the end when I was working down, down the mill having a good job and had a nice paycheck come in. But glory to God. My God supply all my need. Friend, when you lose your job or you leave your job and you've got to get out there on the street without anything... First thing you have to do is humble yourself and start living by faith. See, some people know what it means to live by faith. I'm not saying you've got to have experience to live by faith. I mean, but let me say this. If you're going to live by faith, you're going to have many experiences. We were called to do it. We had to first do the will of God. I was confident in this fact. I have people come to me and they say, well, you know, I kind of think the Lord wants me to do this or I kind of think the Lord wants me to do that. Beloved, you better do more than think. You better be confident. So your confidence lies in many areas. I was confident in my spirit that I was called to go to Ramah. Confident. So all the things that it meant was to leave all. We did. Now, after we'd done the will of God, here was our idea. We're going on down to Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's going to be a life of peaches and cream. When I get down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'm going to go to our apartment and somebody's going to knock on the door and say, Now, Brother Bill, I'm come to tell you that you have a job paying $15 an hour just waiting for you across the street. It didn't happen. You know, we had an idea that we'll go down there and never again be attacked with sickness or disease. Never. Oh, dear Lord. We're walking high now. See, that's the faith impression. People get the wrong impression about faith. I had nobody to tell me what it was going to be like down there. I had nobody to, to let me know. But I was confident in this one fact. I was to go. People are waiting to get ten steps after the first witness of the Spirit. And until you act on the first one, my friend, you won't get any more. And you're going to be in a state of total confusion until you act on the first step. The first step was to sell all and go. So we did. We sold all and we went. Well... We got on down there, and as I said, my wife was pregnant. We figured that everything was going to be peaches and cream. You call a pregnant wife sleeping on a floor for 45 days peaches and cream? We thought everything would be fine, perfect. Did the Lord lead you? Yeah. How do you know? If I wasn't confident in the fact that He led me, I'd say, let's pack up our bags and let's go back to Ohio. See, everybody thinks that when you get led by God, it's going to be in the peaches and cream. No. When, the, when we're led to serve the Lord and, and, and follow the footsteps of the Lord, it means you're going to have all kind of persecution, afflictions, and attacks, and trials, and tribulations in your life. I mean, more so than the average person that's not going to obey God. Because the devil is just going to just let light, lay light on you. But when you get out there, I mean, when you get out there to where God wants you to be, out, and you're out there and by faith alone, it means look out. Everything's coming at you. And I didn't know this. Dear God, dear God, dear God, I think I thank the Lord I knew about faith before I went down there. And boy, did I learn about faith when I got down there. I learned more in that wilderness. If you went, That was a wilderness. I mean, it was. And we were there. And we had attack after attack. I mean, it got to the point we finally had... A, we, I, we went to the counseling center at the school. I mean, we got down there. The apartment was... 
a new apartment, only two years old, but the person that lived in there before us, he was an alcoholic with a dog. I have nothing against animals, except if you don't let them out for weeks. Our apartment! Peaches and cream! Was an alcoholic. Never, very, very few times did he make it to the, you know, proper place. I mean to tell you, that place was so bad. But we have a contract for six months. Thank the Lord, my wife, who I believe led by the Spirit and by her own conscience, took a sweeper in the trunk of the car. All we, all we possessed for 45 days was what we got in our trunk. Now, that's a story in itself because the moving company was supposed to have, us down, have all our furniture down there when we got down there. They were 45 days late. 45 days late. And here's this nice, from the outside apartment and on the inside, dear Lord, dear Lord, she bought a sweeper because everybody's crud was inside all the carpet. We had to sleep on the floor. Finally, I had to go out and buy a mattress so my wife could at least lay on a mattress and sleep on the floor on a mattress, at least on a mattress. You know, and then me and... Well, I slept on the floor. Well, she at least had a sweeper to clean the floor because she went over to the, to the uh, secretary over there and said, uh, we're here. Is someone supposed to clean up our apartment? And he says, oh, it's already clean. I said, what? It's already clean. Already clean. She looked at me and I looked at her. Now, you ready for this? Then... We finally bought some food to bring in the house. Had to buy some utensils to cook with. Would you believe we opened up our cupboard to eat and there was ants eating all our food. I mean thousands of them. I mean that's a normal place for ants to always try to get to your cupboard to get to your food. But did you ever have ants in your clothes? We go back to the closet. Go back to the closet. Take out a suit. Put up pants and ants. Uh, what really what are my suit? These little, I don't know where these things came from. They built that thing on anthills or something. I don't know. But there was ants everywhere. Yeah, we're going down to school. Peaches and cream. Confidently led by the Lord. I know I'm supposed to be there. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Thank God, don't cast away your confidence. It looks like the bottom's going to fall out. I went up to school, started telling this, this counselor about that. I'm listening to her counselor on the phone. She every phone call is coming in every two minutes. She's trying to talk to us and she don't know it. But every time she's, she's over there on that phone telling somebody on, on the phone she's quoting scripture to her, I'm like this here. I'm going all the way down. I said, oh, dear Lord, because everything she's saying is hitting me right in the heart. Everything she's saying is getting me right here. I'm over there saying, look, I don't want to get out of this, con- this six-month contract. I says, but look what we got to live with. What are we going to do? We don't want to break the contract. We don't want to be out of love. We want to do the right thing. and She didn't say anything to me. She just kept counseling on the phone. I kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller because I knew the word. But at that time, it looked like the bottom was falling out. So I put myself back together. My wife, we put ourselves back together in the Lord. And we said, we're going to walk by faith and we're going to walk in love. We got down to two bucks left to our name. We got to where it looked like nothing. I mean, we sold our life insurance policy, everything. You're in the will of God? Yeah. Thank you, Father. You know what we learned through that? By the time I got out of school... There was no more ants. They paid us money for that apartment when we left it to put in a new floor that I paid for. They finally paid for it at the end of it. The Lord changed everything around. But when I went into that thing, I'll tell you something right now, I thought we'd never come out of it. But we came out of that thing just like fine gold. We went into the fiery trial and that fine gold, just as it's purified, we were being purified. I mean to tell you, because we stood on faith. Now, many left and went home and failed because they didn't walk by faith. But we got our act together on faith and stood on God's Word, totally confident that I was supposed to be there and, and we knew what God was doing. And by the time we got to the end of it, I mean to tell you, we, believed, we couldn't believe God for $250 to pay for insurance when we went down there. But by the end of the nine months, we believed God for $1,600 to pay for the hospital bill when the baby was born. And so we learned how to believe God. I mean to tell you, when these persecutions and these trials come, when you go in the Lord, when you go in the Lord, you'll get to a place that you'll kick up your heels and you'll begin to laugh and shout and just, just the voice of triumph that I know that Jehovah, I'm confident, is my light, my salvation, my strength, my God, and nothing that comes my way can destroy me. This is bread for me to defeat, to eat and defeat the enemy. And the enemy will fall by the wayside every time. You cast away your confidence and you'll fall at the hand of your enemy. That you be confident that God is working right in the midst of that circumstance or trial or that suffering. You'll be perfected. 
You'll be established. You'll be settled. You'll be strengthened in the name of Jesus. Well, I don't know where the time went, but we've got to close it right there. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.